Hey, dude. Welcome to Block or Buster. How can I help you? Wait, what was that? I said welcome to Block or Buster. How can I help you? Block or Buster? What is this, some kind of knockoff? It is what it is. It happens to be a video store. True. Hey, got a copy of Jurassic Park? No. Okay, what about the one with the cute little talking pig? What's it called? Babe, I love that movie. Yeah, got that one? No. All right, what about the classics? Citizen Kane? Oh yeah, no. Wait, like, oh yeah, no, you don't have it? Or like, oh yeah, no, you have it? Here's the rest from the return box, and he means, oh yeah, no, we don't have it. What kind of video store is this if you don't have anything in stock? This is no ordinary video store. This is Block or Buster. We only carry movies that you can't tell whether they're good or not. That's a weird choice for a video store. If it's one of those films that's on the fence, we've got it. If you're looking for something that half of the people say sucks and the other half say it's great, then it's here. Yeah, and all rentals are free. All you've got to do is tell us whether it's a block or a buster. What about that red curtain? What's behind there? That's the adult section. You need to show your ID to get there. Ooh, like the X-rated stuff? That's where we keep the Nick Cage movies. And there's porn back there. We still have to make money. Whatever. I'm just gonna watch anything. What do you have? I've got a surprise for you. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> well, what is it? How do you feel about dystopian futures? And what about intense action? Okay. Okay, but what about state-of-the-art nuclear submarines? And guns. Lots of guns. And those classic mid-90s special effects? Aw, yeah. And a distorted interpretation of transgender issues? I mean, I guess. Oh, and surfing, plastic surgery, and basketball death matches? What is this flick? Kurt Russell. John Carpenter. Pam Greer. It's Escape from L.A., 1996. Isn't that a sequel to Escape from New York? You bet it is. Whatever. Just give it to me. That's what she said. Thanks. And all I have to do is let you know whether it's good or if it sucks. That's all you gotta do. Alright, thanks. Enjoy! Bye. And be kind, rewind! I thought that went pretty well. Yeah, we got our first customer. You know, I've got some serious concerns about the efficacy of this business model. We can talk about that after you organize the Fast and Fury Eye section. Is, it, is that, is it Fury? Is it Fury Eye or Furiouses or Fury? I think after they made five, it became Fury Eye. Furious, Furious. Oh yeah, after Simpsons. five, it went from Greek to Latin. I think so, yeah. Before then, it was just the Roman numerals, but now we have to say it in Latin after that. Gotcha. Fury, Fury pusses. Yeah. Got it. All right. All right, break. Well, welcome to the first edition of Blocks or Busters. In this podcast, we talk specifically about movies that people are unsure about. We are not sure they're good. We're not sure they're bad. We could watch them a thousand times and maybe still be unsure. But guess what? We're here to figure that out for everyone. If these are movies that ride that line and uh, you know walk that razor's edge. You don't know where mm -hmm. it's going to go. So This could have been called the thin red movie line. So first up, I'm Chris. I'm Big Chris. I'll probably be the loudest one most of the time. The guy to my left. I'm Matt. I'm medium-sized. <laughs> uh, I went to film school. I've worked in the film industry for quite a while, so I have a little bit of background. And uh, directly across from me is... Uh, Jared. Um, friends with Chris and Matt for a few years now. Yeah, decades yeah. in some cases. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And me and Jared, we did not go to film school, but we have been those types of movie fans that go and see anything, watch everything. Oh yeah, definitely. We've watched an insane amount of Chinese cinema that no <laughs> one would have any idea about. We're like weird experts in a lot of weird genres. So this 
this type of podcast is perfect for me and Jared. And then we got a real expert, Matt. Well, let's not throw that term around too loosely. <laughs> At, well, after this, after we do this a few years, full expert. <laughs> so today, for our first episode, I think we have a great one for you. It's Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. is the follow-up to Escape from New York, which I'm not kidding. Escape from New York was filmed in 1981, and this film was filmed and released in 1996. Guys, that is a 15-year sequel. Yeah. And, and not to skip ahead too much, the only sequel ever made by John Carpenter. Yeah, well, he's actually made a few statements about how he just doesn't generally have any interest in making sequels. So he's, I mean, obviously they had plenty of Halloween movies, and he just... You know, gave everybody permission to work on those because he didn't really have any interest in it. Which yeah. really makes me wonder why he chose this one. Uh, because, I mean, I'll let you guys be the judge, but uh, I found a lot of issues with this movie. <laughs> I think he chose it because Kurt, Kurt Russell insisted on making it. In fact, yeah, like you said, it was the only uh, movie he's ever written, Kurt Russell. Yeah, they, um, not to jump too far ahead again, but the original script was vetoed. Mm-hmm. We found out in all of our research for being, quote unquote, too campy. So they needed Kurt Russell's genius brain to help write a little bit of this movie. <laughs> to tone this down. <laughs> yeah, we needed to tone this script down a little bit. Not make it real original concept on an insane asylum island and with clones. Well, they don't call him the great persuader, Kurt Russell, for nothing, you know? So <laughs> That's right. Or the great writer, either. <laughs> no, there's probably a pretty damn good reason why this is the only movie he's ever written. So, all right. So yeah, that's us, and that's the uh, basic gist of why we're here and what movie we're doing. First, we'll always start off the podcast after our amazing introductions with the preview watch-along, where we watch the preview on YouTube, and then you guys can watch it with us. We'll watch, we'll laugh, we'll cry, it'll be great. But then at the end, we will vote. The three of us will vote whether we think the movie is great or not, and then we will leave it up to you guys whether you think the movie is great or not, up to a vote with the weeks after, or months after, whatever we put out another episode. And then we'll recap. So you have to determine whether it's a block or a buster, all right? That's right. Cool. That's cool. Should we jump into this preview watch along? Yeah, I like the preview watch along. All right, here we go. Trailer for 1996's Escape from L.A. So where do we find this? YouTube? This is on YouTube. It also comes with a uh, prepackaged, you know, like... Movie theater intro to tell everybody oh, to yeah, like the, shut like, the hell up and what doesn't say don't doesn't say silence your cell phones because they didn't yeah. exist and but. it's not that like green preview bar no no this no, is no, like no. that old no. oh it's like the galaxy thing I although I wish that. they had a red band for this I would definitely watch that oh, man, yeah. there's nothing there anyway here we go Escape from L A movie trailer. Citizenship. It's also it's also important to, to note that uh, Los Angeles is now an island. Oh yeah. Dude, that's not in the movie. <laughs> no, you can tell they shot a bunch of these just like they just threw him in front of a green screen and were like, just say a bunch of shit in that voice. <laughs> like, I really gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> we need more tits and helicopters in this preview. <laughs> What's that, a missile launcher? I think Goldie Hawn on the regular. <laughs> little Buscemi, little yeah, they, surfing. They should have definitely played up Steve Buscemi Steve Buscemi is the best acting yeah, in it. Really, Wait, guys, we started from this, the letters weren't big enough. <laughs> Bangkok rules. <laughs> Bangkok rules. <laughs> I gotta Google that, see if Bangkok rules is a real thing. Dude, LA's fine. LA's fine in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Quick notes from the preview. 
Uh, two of the scenes were not even in the movie. <laughs> this, the rules are really beginning to annoy me. Clearly just in front of a flame, green screen. He looked totally different. If yeah, you looked at the the chroma key is terrible. And you got a problem with that. Yeah. L.A. is fine in the background. Yeah. Like, what? Hey, man. <laughs> Did no one watch this preview before they released it? it, 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 it it's 1996. You're trying to sell a movie, man. You, you, you put Kurt Russell on the screen. You get those, you know, Midwestern housewives to the movie theater. That's how it works. <laughs> no, no. That, that last one, you got a problem with that. That was filmed in the first few Dude, years L.A. No, rubbish. That, the buildings were still fine. Man. That's just a preview of some of the choice gems that he's going to say throughout this movie. All right? So, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's from the third one. There's some... Rescape from L.A. No, actually, side note, there was supposed to be a third one called Escape from Mars. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah That yeah. luckily never got made. And, no, well, it did, but it starred Ice Cube well, instead. They, they, they changed had a repurpose, yeah. yeah, the whole yeah. script. Yeah. And what was that called? Uh, Mission to Mars? Ghosts of Mars. Ghosts, Ghosts of, of Mars, Mars. yeah. Never right. seen it. Yes, we'll have to do that one one day. Yeah, it actually wasn't bad. I mean, no, maybe not. Like, yeah. Because once again, this is movies on the edge. So if it's absolute crap, we're going to skip that. It's time for fun facts and trivia, you guys. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so every episode, we will also, in our depths of research, try to find some fun facts, fun trivia. And we'd like to talk about it now. First one, we all knew this going in, but we have to tell everyone, this is the only time Kurt Russell has ever had a writing credit on any movie, period. Yeah, not because they wanted him to, but because he wanted to. <laughs> yes, and because the other fun fact, like we said before, the first script was rejected for being too campy. The original idea was that L.A. was still an island, but it was an insane asylum, not a deportation center, not a prison like it is now, and Snake Plissken was either going to be a clone or the original one thing I, I did see was that apparently Snake Plissken was one of Kurt Russell's like favorite characters to play, which is why he was so yeah, exactly. like hell bent on making this movie. Yes. Yeah. After fifteen years, like like the guy who can't get over his high school girlfriend, <laughs> yeah. like just insisting on doing it. Which, he, yeah. fell, he fell in love with the the voice and the the snake tattoo on the stomach. Yeah. And there was a lot of folklore at the time of Snake Plissken in the mid to early nineties. All right, what else we got? All right, this is the only sequel ever directed by John Carpenter, as as we mentioned before. Not exactly sure why he had plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, the original president was Donald. Pleasance, yeah, and he died yeah. just before he was, production. He was the uh, the doctor chasing down Michael Myers in the uh, Halloween movies. It's cool they replaced him with Uncle Ben from the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. Oh my God, you're right, because he looks like the principal from Back to the Future, but it's not him. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He, oh yeah, that's he, right. he has a history of working with John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. Oh okay, well, not if he's dead. Well, <laughs> still history. <laughs> I meant before he died. <laughs> All right, history is history, whether you're dead or alive. Now, if you've seen this movie, or if you're just waiting for us to tell you if it's good or bad, this next fact will make sense if you've seen it. The FX team hired for the film had very little experience with CGI. Really? I would have never guessed. Yes. You know, that, that's the Chevy and the hang glider. The yeah. whole submarine sequence going into L.A. Oh, that Batmobile that he had? Yeah. It's especially yeah. noticeable like when you consider the fact that this was the same year that Jurassic Park came out, right? Dude. I remember going to the theater to see that movie, and I was my mind was blown. Yeah. Because it's 30, 35 years later or whatever mm -hmm. it is, and it still holds up. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. You know? The whole scene where he's under the water, first of all, he goes by and the Jaws shark almost gets him as he goes oh, through Universal, that's the Jaws Universal shark. Studios. Oh, my all right? God. 
in the shout spot, out to the studio in the spot where the ride is. I think yeah. too, which, yeah. is, which is a cool little yeah. And then uh, he pilots question. the submarine yeah. through a building, but the building is apparently the same building that's the executive offices for Universal Studios. Hmm. Really? And, yeah, and, really and uh, yeah. Carpenter was like, you know, I've had a lot of fights in this place, so I've always wanted to like <laughs> blow awesome. it up. You know? <laughs> We've learned through movies in the past that LA has terribly manufactured windows. Cars can just go to and fro any building they want. Yeah. Next one. Carpenter wanted to shoot in Disneyland but was denied access. Anyone have any guesses why? Uh, maybe, you know, competing studios or just yeah. Disney being Disney. Or maybe because it's Disney fucking land. I doubt yeah. they would let anything be filmed <laughs> in Disneyland It's cool, 100% Disney. Well, we're talking about Disneyland. If you if you notice when, when they're on the hang gliders and, and you have Hershey and Map to the Stars, Eddie and Snake, and they're soaring through the sky, he's, he's getting some backstory from Eddie. Hey, Eddie. Is that what I think it is? Yeah. The place kept changing owners. Finally went bankrupt. Thing in Paris killed them. Which is an obvious reference to because Disney built Disney Euro Disney or yeah. Disneyland oh, Paris yeah. in 1992. Uh, Kurt Russell's son makes a brief uncredited appearance in the movie. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he was in 22 Jump Street. Mm -hmm. He was the blonde kid. Zook. It was a critical and commercial failure. Now, I love fact lists and trivia lists, but was that necessary? You could have just given me 19 fun facts, not 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all knew that. So, next fun fact is John Carpenter. 100% thinks that this is a better movie than Escape from New York. And I have a quote from John Carpenter. Escape from LA is better than the first movie. 10 times better. It's got more in it. It's more mature. It's got a lot more in it. Also, which my paycheck was better. <laughs> I think some people didn't like it because they felt it was a remake, not a sequel. I suppose it's the old question of whether you like Rio Bravo or El Dorado better. They're essentially the same movie. They both had their strengths and weaknesses. I don't know. You never know why a movie's going to make it or not. People didn't want to see Escape that time, but they really didn't want to see The Thing. You just wait. You've got to give me a little while. People will say, you know what's wrong with me? And then it fucking ends. Yeah, we gave... <laughs> well, here we are. It's 2020, and uh, we've given you some time. Uh, we haven't changed our minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I gotta tell you, I have a different opinion, and I won't jump ahead, of when I saw this in 96. Well, like my dad rest says. is short, after I saw this in 8th grade in school, oh, I snuck into a theater and saw this in 96. As my dad says, opinions are like assholes, everyone's got one and they all stink, so... That's right. And no one cares. <laughs> we got a couple more. You got more? Oh, Isaac Hayes wanted to return as the son of Duke from New York, but we're not sure whether Duke died in the first one. Yeah. But we're not here to do I, I actually watched... Because I hadn't seen Escape from New York in years. Oh, you watched I re it? I rewatched it last night. And honestly, I can't remember if he died or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But that'd be a I guess lot. I think it was the more memorable one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a huge stretch to get him there. Like, yeah. they, they could write it in, but there, as we'll get into later. I don't know. He could have just stretches. done what everybody else did and taken a step through Cleveland. That, yeah, right? What's up with Cleveland? Well, actually, apparently there, there is some backstory there because John Carpenter had a friend who knew somebody from Cleveland whose name was Snake Plissken, which I find it hard to believe that somebody gives birth to a child in the hospital, and then when the nurse comes and asks, what do you want to name this kid? You're going to say, I'm going to name this kid Snake Plissken, yeah. which is badass, but yeah, also you don't, badass. Want to, you don't want to like handcuff a yeah. child with the name Snake for the yeah. rest of their life. Maybe if it was Arizona or Florida. Maybe. Yeah. Ohio? Or at least to give him a know. real name and make Snake the middle name. Like, Every time he gets pulled yeah. over for Clarence the rest of his life, Snake Plissken, the, the cop's you know? going to be like, hey, but Corn Red Plissken. Snake, well, that would fit in because everybody else has a stupid name in this movie. But apparently Snake Plissken's first name is Bob. 
Bob Snake Plissken. Yeah, Robert Snake Plissken. Well, no wonder. Yeah. You know, would you rather be Snake or Bob? Or Bob I'd or probably Snake? pick Snake. I mean, you got the tattoo to back it up. That's true. Uh, Kurt Russell also wears see-through eye patch the whole time, which not for nothing. I. That's fine with me. Yeah, so he doesn't right? have And I couldn't tell her anything. Oh, Jared, could you please take the next fact? Steve Buscemi only took his role to fund his first film as director. Yes. Buscemi uh, used his salary lounge. from the film to help finance Tree's Lounge, his first film as writer-director. Well, I mean, no Reservoir Dogs, but at least he got to do his dream. Yeah. You know, good for him. Look, I don't know. Steve Buscemi can kind of, he can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You Christopher Walken, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's great. Christopher Walken did Country Bears, and I bet you he has a great beach house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are jobs to these guys, folks. We, we forget that sometimes. Yep. Do I always do what I want to do when I'm at work? No, but I do it because I need to get paid. They couldn't shoot action scenes through the night because nearby residents complained about the noise. But not for nothing, I even learned that watching Pineapple Express, L.A. is not a fan of movies being shot in L.A. No. They yeah. will literally throw balloons full of piss at you wow, to yeah. get you off the street. Yeah, it, it gets gnarly. If well, you're people are still like trying to live their lives. So, yeah. you know, there's that. Yeah, and would you want someone being like, snake, in the yeah. middle of goddamn night when you're trying to But sleep? it was also, it was 70 days of night shooting. 70 yeah. days. They said it was like the gunfire <laughs> specifically, but I mean, come on, it's L.A. Yeah. Be used to well, he did, he did agree not to shoot the gun after midnight. No gunshots after midnight. That, yeah. was, that was his compromise, so. The next fun fact to me is the best fun fact. The Surgeon General was Bruce motherfucking Campbell. That is a fun fact. Let's just... Yeah. Also, this movie could be garbage, but that was an A-plus choice. <clears throat> There's also right? a, another connection, because apparently he and Kurt Russell share a stuntman. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 they have the same stunt double. Yeah. Which makes sense, because they weren't really... They're about the same size. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could have gotten better if he did surgery with his chainsaw hand. That would have been pretty That would have been awesome. That would have been dope. Yo, this next fun fact made so much sense after I watched it, the, like, three times for this podcast. The president was modeled on the televangelist Pat, Pat Robertson. Robertson. Now, which, I don't know which... T- no, you can still see this old-ass motherfucker out there talking yeah. shit all the time. Yeah, he's still out there doing his dumb shit. And, and I'll, I gotta give credit to, uh, you know, like I said, Uncle Ben from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. He, he did a good job of, uh, of channeling Pat Robertson yeah. for that role. He looks like an Oklahoma senator. So I could, yeah. He looks like a human... I think he was a Virginia senator, right? I don't even remember. He looks like a human butt plug is what he looks like. Mm. Oh, uh, Kurt Russell shot all the basketball shots for real. Those were all real makes. He didn't do them all in a row. You gotta respect But he practiced a a lot. And did you guys know he played some minor league baseball? Yeah, he did. But I don't don't know how much it counts when your dad owns the team. If you got a check... For playing a sport, you were a pro. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care what it was. Even <laughs> like, if it's, I would count it. even if it's signed by Daddy. I don't care if it's a booster. I'm not or trying to. Bench. <laughs> I'm not trying to bash Kurt Russell. Like Kurt Russell was a legit. Like Kurt Russell's had a pretty impressive life. Child actor, semi-pro baseball player, adult actor, screenwriter. Clearly, yeah. Um, you know, he's yeah. done a lot of stuff. Speaking of screenwriter, uh, that leads into the, the last fact that Kurt Russell said, "This is just a movie about a guy who wants a cigarette." Now, which we'll t- we'll we'll come back on because I have some things to say about the end. We'll of this come movie. back to that, but I feel like he craved cigarettes. Once again, we're not doing New York, but he craved them even more in New York yeah, than yeah. he did in L.A. They mentioned it, and they said it was illegal. So, like, what do you? And I think it was right after he quit smoking in real life. So it's yeah. like, yeah, talk about method acting. Yeah. And Jared pointed out something great. Why are these guys not smoking in L.A. Constantly. Yeah. You th- there's probably a trade embargo. I'm sure they can't get these things. They're on an island in the middle of the ocean. True. That's true. So unless they grew it themselves. Yeah. But I bet you they grow it themselves. 
grow tobacco in Los Angeles? It's not really the environment for it. Dude, I, they, they would figure it out. Okay? <laughs> yeah, you know true. what I mean? They figured out that amazing basketball game. That's true. <laughs> Sparta style. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Steve Buscemi looks like he could smuggle some in. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that never saw the movie, it kind of opens and it tells you that we start in 1998. The man who's running for president, who eventually becomes president-elect, calls for a massive earthquake to take over LA. And then it eventually does. Now, because of all the devastation, they say, he is elected to a lifetime presidency. And then we fast forward to 2013, 15 years later, just like the sequel difference, guys. Did you mm -hmm. catch that? Yep, clever. Huh? I don't want to go off on too many tangents too fast. But because of the devastation, this man gets a lifetime presidency. And he called that this was going to happen. Now, is there an alternate reality? Or, or do you guys think that the president caused an earthquake? No, he's, well, like you said, he's, he's, he's channeling Pat Robertson, who, who, as a televangelist, makes all these stupid bullshit claims yeah. that God's going to do this, you know. Like the Westboro Baptist, Baptist Church, right. God hates uh, gay people and he kills our soldiers a day it, Yeah, exactly. Like, even a broken yeah. clock, exactly. But like, the big guys that make it are probably right about something along the way. Yeah, so but it's not that hard. to be right. It's not that hard to make a prediction that there's going to be an earthquake in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. That's true, but they've been predicting it for 20 years, and they've been, it still hasn't happened. No. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the overall. We, we get to 2013, and then, very similar to Escape from New York, the president's daughter ends up in L.A. You're saying she ends up in L.A. She doesn't end up in L.A. She straight turns tail and, like, it becomes a traitor on her father's political ambitions. Yes. Apparently in this dystopian America, yes. everybody has remote controls. Yep. Blackberries got huge. But they all yes. look exactly the same. Now, not for nothing. They're a little right. We all have phones. Yeah, but still. Anyway, similar. So she, similar. she steals the, the one remote control that's super important to the president because it's this massive weapon. And she bails out into Los Angeles right. to well, be with her boyfriend. Well, also before that, yeah, he kind of, it's it's implied that he brainwashes her. Exactly. You know, because... Uh, they mention it, that yeah. she spends yeah. a lot of time in VR. Yeah, and that he had a sister that committed suicide, so she was like emotionally yes. vulnerable. And then this guy, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jose, the, uh, the rebel oh, leader. Cuervo Jones. Cuervo Jones. Cuervo Jones. Cuervo Jones. He hacks her VR. Yeah, that's exactly. Where you see that yeah. clip of him, like, what, with the dove, right? Where he's just, like, releasing yeah. the dove slowly. Yeah. And she's just, like, slipping off the chair. She's in. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's all it really takes. Now, I have a quick question. Yeah. Did she hijack Air Force One yeah. to do this, or did she take First an escape all, pod? Watch your shit. It's, it's Air Force Three. Oh, three. Yeah. Oh, shit. So it's the, it's the third. It's like it's like not the super important one, but it's not like the one the vice president flies in. It's like that other like beater plane they keep yeah. around for like fucking around in. I think she just crashes the plane and survives. Because apparently in the, in the world where Snake Plissken lives, you can jump from or crash in an aerial vehicle of any sort Yo. and you won't die. She should have been dead at the end of the movie with how high she jumped off that helicopter. Yeah, but you can jump off a helicopter. I mean, Steve Buscemi does that shit twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, he jumped off the helicopter once, and then he crashed his hang glider into a into a storefront. Totally fine. Yeah. And that could be because Steve Buscemi's a fucking superhero. Well, you know what I realized? That Snake is a celebrity walking around. That Everybody night. fucking knows the guy. Dude, it's crazy though. Like, it's the weirdest like sub little point that's like still current to this day that he is a celebrity walking around. That but night. how? How do they fucking that. know him? There's yeah. not. There's no like news media. There's nowhere for them. This he's literally just a an ex 
special forces guy yeah. who's been gunfighting in Cleveland for the gun last fighting for profit. 15 years. Of course, yeah. as you do. Yeah. If which, I was going to gunfight, it would be for profit. Which, which it's the only way to gunfight. Yeah. Let's go to this. Gunfighting for profit. They say <laughs> is Snake's profession. And they caught him I don't, in mm-mm. New Vegas, Thailand, yeah. U.S. province. Look, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't support anybody who, who gunfights for anything other than charity. <laughs> All right? It's, I can't, I can't get right. around that. Now, legitimately, the only thing I can think of is that this man is an assassin. Isn't that, that's the only technical I, definition I of I think gun. that's what gunfighting for profit is. Right? It is literally everything that involves violence and killing people. Now, to me, it was just a reference to that this man is a walking western. Yeah. So they had to call him a gunfighter for profit because even in that um, Bangkok rules. Bangkok rules. When he does Bangkok rules, a lot of ev- Thailand. everything takes over as a Western. They get further away. The wind starts sweeping left to right. There's debris going left to right. Yeah, and it's Bangkok technically rules. he's breaking the Bangkok rules every time. They're, they think that they're playing by Bangkok rules and then he's like, well, no. No, no, They were playing by Thailand rules and he was playing by Bangkok rules. They didn't know the difference. You're right. not but supposed here's the to thing. wait for the can to drop in Bangkok. Rules. That's Thailand rules. You're Thailand. in the middle of a lawless wasteland. I, this whole time I thought Bangkok was in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the capital of Thailand. No, no. There's all provinces owned by Las Vegas, apparently, nowadays. New Vegas. <laughs> New, New Vegas, Vegas, yeah. Or anyway, Fallout. Isn't that Tom Clancy novel or something? I, no, anyway. it's a Fallout spinoff in between Fallout 3 and 4. A plus level screenwriting, guys. I, right. I think what's important to note here is that, um, and this is, this is, I think oh, this yeah. is a big deal is that he wants to be called Snake. Do not, do fucking not try to call him Pliskin. Yeah. Because he is going to slap your ass down and let you know he wants to be called Snake. Mm-hmm. Until the last two minutes of the movie when he wants to be called Pliskin. Let's get back to the daughter. So she goes from that outfit and clueless to a straight whore. She gets appropriately slutted up. Now she she looks like Selena. Yeah, well, that's, she, like, that's, how you like know, that's how you know she changed sides. She went from like, you know, wearing her like, oh, I'm wearing yeah. my, my mini skirt and my little jacket. And now all of a sudden she's fucking booty shorts and showing her midriff. Exactly. So, you know, she's like, she's definitely hanging with, uh, you know, with low budget Shea Guevara. Oh, yeah. Because uh, if you're hanging with villains in this movie, you're in the gray area of racism. Viva la revolucion, motherfucker. Maybe, you're maybe a little racist. You're maybe not. In the car scene. Right? Wait, you want to talk In the about procession. Race. We're going to get to racism. Don't yeah. worry. In the procession, there is a man, not in a car, on a horse, with a bandolier, mm-hmm. a sombrero. Mm-hmm. He might as well be like, ay, ay, ay. But you don't see him until Snake Plissken jumps the motorcycle he's riding into the bed of a truck. Yeah. And then shoots the guy riding the horse with a shotgun. Doesn't shoot the horse. But after all this, all these people with guns, riding motorcycles, jumping into the bed of a truck... He gets done in by Cuervo and Ebola. And Ebola, if you don't know, is literally two rocks on the end of a rope that a dude throws like a fucking caveman. And that's what does him in, around the neck. Takes him out. Guns, horses, motorcycles, cars. They literally have a fucking, like, 50 cal mounted to the top of this fucking pickup truck. No problem. But the Ebola, that does him in. Which you think from the... Big pr- production presentation of this taking Snake out. That this is gonna be like his thing. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like his calling card. Bitch, you don't want to get bowling. Mm-hmm. Only it's time. Not. Only you time. never see it again. Missile launchers and guns after that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know you had a gun sitting next to that bola in the car. You should have had a bola that was like two grenades and it throws that <laughs> at the helicopter. Like, come on. We, like, we have to double back to. I thought the brothel scene was probably the best scene in the whole movie. 
it was just great. It had like classic Escape from New York stuff in it. I thought it was the yeah. best set design they it probably was. had in the whole movie. It was. Besides, you know, the stadium was set up nice even though it was dumb, but I thought the brothel was really, really well done. And it kind of brought you through with each level. It was different music. He eventually talked to the, the prostitute that knew Hershey. Yeah. He had that uh, interaction with the guys. Who, uh, who wanted you to throw a, a knife at a guy on, on a cross. Right. The, guy, the guy he was looking for, the last remainder, last remaining guy of the uh, mercenary team that they sent in. That's right. That's why he ended up in the brothel. Yep. Okay. So we're in Beverly Hills. As soon as he gets in there, he sees these dudes in like hoods and robes and stuff. And it's like, oh shit, jumps into a bush. And uh, we hear a voice, a female voice, telling him to shut up. They're going to get us caught. Uh, and it's the character Talisma. That character bothers me because it's like from Escape from New York when he goes into the little deli and they have this one character who exists for 30 seconds and then she's dead. She exists solely for the reason of explaining what the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills is and the fact that they're there because they serve as donors for the body parts and face parts that he needs to replace everybody's faces because everybody's faces are all fucked up because yeah. they've had all of this like repeated plastic surgery and whatnot, mm -hmm. so they need to constantly replace them with, you know, fresh parts. I think the girl was there to ruin the reputation of women. She did nothing for women. It was, like, it was really horrid, like, how bad of a woman character she was. She literally kept throwing herself at Snake. At one time, Snake was like, I'm gonna go over here. And she was like, no, 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 later. And then she stalked him and followed him. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the characters serve no point to the plot. They go, they jump out of the sewer at some other location. She's still there with them. And then a Korean boy band comes and shoots her. Yes. <laughs> Just before that, you're like, oh, man, maybe they're developing something here. Maybe this is a love interest. Maybe there's going to be a romance involved. Maybe there's going to be something more. Nope. Um, and she just immediately gets blasted and she dies while she's trying to say something that I can oh, imagine was supposed to be I poignant. I have the quote right here. Go ahead. She literally got shot after she says, no, 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 no. Once you figure out this place, it's really not so bad. Gunshot death. Dead. Now, now that I, is some Kurt Russell poetry right there. What I will give some her... LA poetry. The one, <laughs> the one thing she does say that is poignant is... Why are you here? I was a Muslim in South Dakota. All of a sudden, they made it a crime. I mean, why do you stay? You can go south, Mexico. Uh, I laid still the place, Snake. If you think about what's happened on the other side of the wall, that's the prison. This is the only free zone left. Anywhere. Which she's right, like, because yeah. America's become this fundamentalist, right-wing, authoritarian, Christian dystopia. Yes. And they're allowed to just live lives however they want. Which New York points out better. Like, New yeah. York points out all this social commentary and everything, where, where L.A. is just camp and fun, I, if you ask me. I disagree. I think there's a lot to this movie that we'll get into when we're doing our pros and cons. Yeah. And not. Overall, Carpenter got $50 million. And he was able to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Like, and he, to let's be honest, he didn't I'm do a whole sure lot. It was the last time he got fifty million. So there's four writers credited on this movie. Oh my god! Four people, four human beings, sentient human beings. Yep. Wrote this. Yep. They all went to a basketball court and figured out that plot. And they were. <laughs> but the, you also have to operate under the formula that was already established. So they took that spike bat wrestling match. Mm-hmm. With the big burly dude, and they dumped that, and they were like, what do we do? All right, well, um, it's 1996. We're in Los Angeles. Yeah. Basketball's really popular. I think That's they did right. that with most of the scenes. That's how they came up with the uh, with the plastic surgeon. That's how they came up with the surfing scene. Or yep. like, what's like quintessential L.A.? Jared had a great commentary on Buscemi. 
sure. I want to hear it. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying the way he's dressed was uh was pretty interesting. It looks like he's trying to sell LA a monorail. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you really do a side by side he looks just like the monorail guy from he's, the Simpsons it's no, pretty incredible he's trying to sell a map to the monorail but he also dress you like a straight shyster like you're trying to scam the shit out of everybody you come across yeah. let's jump to this guys who's the damn all-star of this movie no Steve Buscemi is he's, he's he the is the best best and I'm not saying this I'm completely unironic yeah, Steve yeah. Buscemi is the best acting in the movie oh yeah, oh, yeah. undoubtedly guy. undoubtedly Peter Fonda is like the most fun in the few scenes he's in but yeah Buscemi acts circles around everyone yeah. and, and that's Snake's not got great one liners we're at the basketball scene right? yeah we'll, we'll we'll fast forward to we're we'll bounce yeah bounce we'll bounce we'll bounce like a basketball <laughs> right to the basketball scene pun intended so, uh, Snake gets captured, and Cuervo Jones has this tradition, if you're unfamiliar, with a basketball competition. Now, the rules are this. Basketball. Two hoops. Full court. Ten-second shot clock. Miss a shot, you get shot. Shot clock buzzer goes off before you shoot, you get shot. Two points for a basket. No three-point bullshit. All you gotta do is make ten points. That's it. By the way, nobody's ever walked off that court alive. Nobody. In 1996, this is where the movie lost me. And I love basketball. I've always been into basketball. But I just thought, really? Like, this is your Sparta competition? Instead of pulling tigers out of the ground and making people fight them, we're going to have a basketball competition that is seemingly impossible because, spoiler alert, everyone, in 96, Big Chris tried this. I tried this many a times. I never did it once. It's really difficult. You couldn't handle both sides of that cul-de-sac? And I tried. It's really, really tough. And it plays out exactly how it does in the movie. You'll be able to get two layups, and then you'll need a jump shot, and then a three-pointer, and then a Hail Mary. Yeah. And you have to do all of them. Yeah. Because there's just no time to but do like, everything else. So you say that this is where the movie lost you. Yeah. And, and the part that I really liked about this, and I, 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 I use the term really liked very loosely, was when Utopia goes... What? This is insane. It is. That's the point. But that's all he has to say about that. Like, that's it. There's, there's no reasoning. There's no rationale. They don't follow up on it. It's just crazy for the sake of being crazy. As this sequence is going on, the crowd starts chanting against him very, very hard. Yes. And over the course of this, I don't know, this probably took a total of a minute and a half. 50 seconds. 50 seconds? Was it 50 seconds? <laughs> yeah, because five shots, 10 oh. seconds each. All right, but you know, even if you're talking about chronologically over the time that the movie actually spent on it, they slowly change and become a fan. Every shot he makes, they become more and more supportive of Snake and they turn against Cuervo, which I, I guess is kind of like a, a well-developed plot device. But like from a technical perspective, as you're watching the scene, you watch it happen. I can tell that they definitely didn't shoot the scene with the intention of using these shots in slow motion. But yeah. the choppiness of the way that this is shot, you could tell they didn't over crank the camera. Because mm -hmm. if you're gonna, if you're shooting film and you're going to do a slow motion sequence, you overcrank the frame rate so that when you play it back in slow motion, you don't get choppy motion. So you could tell that the editor got all of this shit and had to rumple Stiltskin the fuck out of it and turn mm -hmm. this bullshit into gold. Yeah. And he didn't quite get gold, but like, you know, you gotta have some respect for an editor who's oh, editing this scene, this was trying not, to slow it down and make it work. This was not the editor's fault. No. This was a writing choice that started there. Like visually, it made as much sense as it could. I was like, 
basketballs this gladiator event. They literally walked by people like battling with swords and cleavers and shit and walked into a basketball arena. Yes. Which is in the middle of a football stadium. Which is in the middle of a football stadium, yes. All right, so Snake escapes the basketball scenario. And even though Cuervo's trying to shoot him a couple times. Even though Cuervo, with that amazing, awesome silver gun, is trying to shoot him a bunch of times. He escapes the stadium very quickly. Gives him a chance to go over, steal the case, and dive into the sewer. Yes. He goes down there. Utopia follows him. This is the point where she has the change of heart, and she decides that Cuervo is just as bad as my dad. Which you could see coming. Yeah. In every facial she had when she got to L.A. was panic. You should probably watch out. Oh, shit. You should probably watch out for the term facial. facial. in L.A. Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's it's a wrestling term. I'm I'm always used to it. We'll just call that a, you know, like a... Medium shot or whatever. Her faces look concerning. <laughs> anyway, yeah. And maps to the stars, Eddie, that fucking douche canoe shows up and shoots Snake in the leg. He drops the case, falls into a sub sewer, yep. blah, 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 which takes us to the infamous wave scene. All right. When Snake pours out of the sewer, do you remember who he meets there, Jared? Um, no. It is Peter Fonda. Yes, that's right. Peter Fonda somehow knows that because of the earthquake that just happened, which also helped Snake escape, because that helped throw Cuervo Jones off with that big giant gun. And which he does establish earlier on in the movie happens regularly. Yes, and and we've also established just now that earthquakes are good guys in this movie because they helped Snake escape, right? So after the good guy earthquake helps Snake escape, he meets Peter Fonda. Fucking Peter Fonda as a surfer? Whoa, dude. Is that you, Snake? Far out, man. Hey, did you find Cuervo, man? The surf undertone is Peter Fonda. Yeah, but, and, 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 and the fact that Steve Buscemi is in this movie is cool because he's very much like the Steve Buscemi meme where he walks up with the backwards cap and the, and the skateboard and he goes, what's up, fellow teenagers? What is that? Tsunami, Snake. Tsunami, woo! Such a big time now, mister. <laughs> Start feeling better quick, man, because you ain't got time to get out of here. This is going to be some kind of ride, man. Some kind of fixed ride. Let's go. Come on. Oh, bitch. Bitch, man. Yeah. Like, it's, that's exactly how it feels with Peter Fonda. Like, Peter Fonda's not a fucking surfer. Like, he's like, oh, tubular dude. It wasn't the L.A. River. It was like a reservoir system, right? I feel like it was supposed to be the L.A. River. I feel like it was supposed to, but they, like, didn't have the rights to film there or something like that. So they just pretended, like, there's lots of these things. It's like a dirt ditch. Yeah. But because of the science of tsunamis, a giant wave is going to be coming down this reservoir, right? Now, you say science of tsunamis. There is no actual science involved here. It just happens to be convenient to the plot, <laughs> and and because we want we want to we want to fucking take surfing, which was popular at the time. We, we want to jam it in there somehow. Just like this river flowing through LA, yeah, yeah. you want to just jam it right in the middle. We want to take it, we want to yeah. ball it up real tight, and we want to shove it down your fucking throat. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens. Front edge, pick you up. Don't get on your board to the right to the top. Don't blow it. If you fall off the board, it's the big one now. Got it? Woo! Bitch. Hey, on, Snake. Oh! They catch the wave. And Steve Buscemi is also told by Cuervo Jones at the same time to go give me his head. 
because Buscemi tries to tell Cuervo Jones that he shot Snake. Cuervo don't buy that shit. He needs his head. So it kind of tracks that Buscemi's here. When Snake sees Steve Buscemi, he goes to Peter Fonda. And then Snake just puckers up, gets real tight, and just goes faster on the wave. And Surf jumps onto Eddie's car, and Eddie agrees to lead Snake to Hershey. That is correct. Which, I gotta say, this is my absolute favorite part of the movie. I could oh. not get enough of this part of the movie. At this point, we have entered the, uh, the Dominion of Long Beach in California, and it is where the location of the Queen Mary at least used to be in 1996. I did a little bit of research. Yeah. It's an old ocean liner that looks just like the Titanic. Yep. And it is now a hotel in Long Beach? It was Long Beach? a hotel. Oh, cool. Supposedly haunted, and people would go there and, and spend, you know, spend nights on there to experience those sorts of haunts, you See, know. I, mean? I like how that tracks, but that's such a subtle detail that tracks and major details don't. Yeah. That's just weird. Well, and uh, another little movie side note is that they they did actually shoot the scene where uh, Eddie and Snake walk into the boat. That was actually shot in one of the um, oh. kind of broken down technical rooms of the Queen Mary. Oh, that's right. And cool. they meet this character, Hershey, who is supposedly, and as we have established to this point, um, an, an enemy of Cuervo. They used to be co-workers or compatriots of some sort, and they had a falling out. But I think what happened was they had beef in L.A., and then they got, like, she got Long Beach, he got everything else, and, like, they just leave each other alone. Right. Sort of thing. So it's at this point that we meet Hershey Las Palmas. You may hear the name Hershey and think, this person must be into chocolate. Or maybe you just chalked it up to the mid-90s and it's less than woke relationship with race and figured it was a poorly chosen name for a black person, but boy would you be wrong. Hey Hershey, how you doing? All right, hang on, hang on guys, this is big, it's Snake Plissken. I brought him here to see you, Hershey. He's got a little business proposition. What's in it for me? What you need to consider first is that the name Hershey is spelled H-E-R-S-H-E. It's a portmanteau of the pronouns her and oh she, God. which might not stand out as remarkable if it wasn't for the fact that Hershey is a transgender oh woman. God. I know that voice. Yeah. You carjacked my mom. Not anymore. Are you to know each other? I'm both impressed by the writer's ability to portend the evolution of pronouns as a socially relevant topic in modern times as it relates to LGBTQ issues and equality, and disturbed by the absurdly tone-deaf representation of a trans character. There's even an expertly placed and executed gun-between-your-legs joke that makes me miss the comedic filmmaking stylings of my youth. Oh, more things change, more they stay the same, huh, Carjack? Glad to see you're still packing my gun between your legs. Anyway. Snake tries to get Hershey to help him to get Cuervo in the chopper so he can not die since the enemy of my enemy is my friend. What's the deal? Give me to Cuervo Jones. I got one hour. A dream all blue eye. Say goodnight, Carjack. Oh, hold on. Cuervo Jones has more firepower than two armies. No one gets near him. And he's got the black box and the girl. He's running the show. What black box? Oh, one that shuts down the power permanently. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. And the Plutoxin 7 virus is going to kill you in less than 10 hours. Oh. What? It's bullshit, baby. Rumor control, government, propaganda. Just one more lie. Thanks telling the truth, Hershey. I used to represent the guy who invented it. 
Swear to God, Snake. Hey, hey. What's the deal? Gorgeous. We get the girl in the black box and we get out of here. All of us? Yeah. Which we should also probably dip back into the fact that at some point or another, Cuervo decided that he was going to need a government helicopter to get him out of Los Angeles. Yes, which I believe he asked for when he is uh, taking over all the TVs. I did not know that her name was spelled H-E-R-S-H-E. Oh yeah. Because I'm thinking this is just a straight up half racist name, but like, <laughs> it's like racist and appropriate all at the same time. Yeah. It's this weird blend. I had that same thought. It, it doesn't imply, you know, that she's transgender, because it, it's it's her, she, it's not like he, she, or... Well, it doesn't that make does, him? It does kind of, because, well... Let, double negative. Let, we, you gotta be real careful where you tread here, my friend. <laughs> all right? But it's like it's like they're really trying to like reinforce that this is not the man known as Carjack Malone. Yes. This is the woman oh, okay, who okay. we refer to as Hershey. Pam so, and her tits did not give it away. As we've also learned, Cleveland ties up all loose ends in this movie. If you don't know why a character's there, Cleveland. If you don't know know why Snake knows him. Cleveland. Cleveland, baby. Cleveland rocks, baby. Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland rocks. Cleveland, yep. If Drew, they really wanted Drew Carey for this yeah. movie. But, you know, if they put, If Drew Carey was in this movie, it would have really, like, this would have changed my opinion of this movie altogether. Yeah, the price would have really been right. It would have been so right. <laughs> if Drew Carey was in this movie. <laughs> I mean, whose line is that? <laughs> uh, and they decide, you know what, we're going to help you. But, here's the so problem. How are we getting your under now? That's your end. Best you could do from here is take the five. The shape it's in, two and a half hours minimum. Which is not convenient because Snake, my friend, is going to die due to the plutoxin in his system within one hour. Fortunately, uh, you know, our friend Hershey has a very wise young Asian man in her employ. Use the air. They're burning. The San Anas. The night wind. What are you talking about? Death from above. The best way to get from Long, Bay, Long Beach to Anaheim, where you're not going to find Disneyland, is via the Santa Ana winds. Yes. And what and do you need for the Santa Ana winds? What do you need to ride those winds? You need some hang gliders, bitch. You need some hang gliders. Now, we, we have a fun little side story. Jared has met one of the Saigon Shadows before. Oh, yeah. He's worked with John Carpenter in the past. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. But, yeah, I met him recently on, a, on another movie shoot recently, like a summer or two ago. And, uh, yeah, he's a really cool guy. He posted some pictures. It was, yeah. a, it was a fun event. Their grand plan here, as we've alluded to, is to hang glide to where Cuervo Jones is in Disneyland. Or, wait, what is it Happy Kingdom. Happy Kingdom. I'm seriously not against this plan. I don't think it's necessarily that that stupid. But they just hang glide over the whole group. There's like 100, 150 dudes there, 20, 30 feet above everyone. You gotta stop, you gotta take that back, you gotta rewind a little bit because as they're hang gliding, uh, our friend Hershey decides that we need a distraction. We're gonna need some kind of diversion. And, you know, what other choice do you have than to send your friend Matt to the stars, Eddie? Hit, man. It's Pliskin. And then you pulled up. Oh, hey, look out behind you. Jeez. 
Ringo. Or I'll rip your balls off. Go, hey. look out behind you! I uh, and, you know, before you know it, you have your, your friends, Snake and... Hershey and all of their individual and, you know, and the Saigon shadows, Saigon shadows uh, flying around and shooting you with uh, automatic weapons. Snake lands on Cuervo's back. They go into a fight. Something explodes, and both of these men get blown an equal distance away from the yeah. remote control device. Oh my god! Yeah. That controls the satellite system that will destroy the planet. They have to crawl hand over hand to get to this device. And as they individually get closer and closer, Snake, of course, our hero, manages to get there first. They jump in the helicopter. And Snake's jacket is sitting right no. outside the helicopter. He kills the guy who stole the jacket earlier yeah. on. I'll take my jacket back. <laughs> yeah. As they're taken off, our buddy Eddie, who is in the helicopter as well, notices that Cuervo is very close by, pulls an AK-47 or some sort of automatic weapon. I hit him! <laughs> and Cuervo looks down in disbelief and then looks up in total calmness and tranquility with this little snicker in his face and just goes, <laughs> and just repoints this missile launcher at the helicopter and nails him. Yep. And what does Map to the Stars Eddie do? Map to the Stars Eddie sees this missile coming right at the helicopter and just jumps out. Oh. Oh. I think he might have even landed in the rubble of that building that he pointed at. I think it was the same building. Yeah. I think they were like, hey, dude, we got to read. But the helicopter still works, of course. They are flying from Island LA to mainland LA to where the wall is. Mainland California. And yeah. what happens to Pam Greer? Uh, and the poor Saigon shadows. Yeah, toast in the back of the helicopter. Dude, we had to rewind this like four times to double check that they all died. It was such a footnote in the movie. They make it back to the mainland. Snake, being the ever benevolent man that he is, decides he's going to try and save Utopia's life. Get ready to jump. Head for the tree line and disappear. Go. Go. She's getting ready to jump out. He takes, what does he have in his hand? But the remote control. Yep. Puts He's it got in her remote. Puts it in her pocket. She jumps out. He then proceeds to crash this helicopter into a field. Yep. And it just spontaneously cuts to a shot of our boy Snake Plissken limping away from the wreckage. And he's met by our old man, Stacy Keach, Stacy Keach's female compatriot, and the president of the yes. United States. Stacy Keach, throughout this movie, is conveniently on Snake's side or conveniently against Snake. As Snake walks, the timer on his wrist starts to tick away. He is out of time. That Plutoxin yes. 7, 14, whatever the it is. The Plutoxin 7 serum yeah. has lasted its eight hours and it is about to take full effect. Yep, he is going to die because of Plutoxin. So, rightfully so, Snake is very concerned yep. about this antidote. Clock ticks to zero. Guess what happens? Oh, thank God almighty. Thank God almighty. Welcome back, sir. Give me the goddamn shot. Your countdown clock has now terminated function. Your time is up. 
told you he was dumb. You took the fake, I shot. Futoxin 7 is a fast hardening case of the flu. The only thing he gets out of this whole interaction is the President of the United States calling him an idiot. Because yep. guess what? Plutoxin was bullshit. They gave him something that purposely slowed him down and they needed him to succeed in this mission. Yep. So that made no sense. Snake's not the only one getting fucked tonight because he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. Now, give me that unit. You want this thing? Come and get it. So the president is like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go get it. But Stacy Keach is like, oh, hell no, no. Hold it, Mr. President. He's basically like, let me see that daughter. Yeah. Pats so, her up and down, finds the other remote control. The one that he put into her pocket. Mm -hmm. We'll take this one. So he gives that one to the president. The president pulls out his his convenient little, like, take everywhere TV studio. Yes, yep. That they're all setting up. He jumps on and says, broadcast worldwide. I'm yep. going to do this thing. I don't need the teleprompter. This is the President of the United States. I now demand an immediate retreat of all forces now threatening this great nation. What we didn't establish or what we didn't mention was the fact that Cuba and Brazil have decided at some point earlier on in the movie that they're going to get together to attack Florida. <laughs> Which, we, we missed that. So the president decides he's going to use this remote control. If my demand is not met immediately, I will destroy your ability to function permanently. Mr. President, the Cuban theater of aggression remains mobile. ETA Miami in four minutes. So in front of the world, he decides he's going to type in these world codes. That's right. For Cuba and Brazil. Mm -hmm. They're never going to be able to attack because he's going to shut them down right from there. Seven. Seven, nine. I now render this final solution. Welcome to your very own map to the stars. Sure, we all know. In front of the whole world. Because this happens to be the dummy system that map to the stars Eddie set up by simply taking a dollop of some red nail polish and putting it on the control disc for that remote, and then that's the one that they chose. That's it. So that means that our man Snake Plissken holds the remote that actually controls the satellite system that inspired Elon Musk to create the <laughs> Starlink satellite system that we will soon, I'm sure, be tied into eternally. Yes. But either way, he now has control of the system that can destroy the world. When the president knows this, he goes, Shoot it. For now you are going to die. Everybody does. Kill him. And bring me the real unit. Sir, we're still broadcasting. Good. Let him watch. Do it. Do it! On my command! Fire! Nothing happens. And you nailed it, because they're just flying through Snake Plissken. Why are they flying through Snake Plissken? Because callback from the first act, Matt. It's a hologram. Yep. The thing that they made crazy reference to over and over again in the beginning montage of the film. They, they don't talk about the boat at all, but they mention this hologram a thousand times. 
it finally comes back and Snake is really a hologram somewhere else in the woods. He's not even here, he's a hologram. But it's too late because if you enter the code 666, it shuts down everything electronic. Just a beat, Pliskin. Us or them? Shut down the third world. They lose, you win. Shut down America. You lose, they win. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Stacy Keach at this point is like, oh my God, hold on a second. Sir, that'll shut down the entire planet. I told you, you'd better hope I didn't make it back. You push that button. Everything we've accomplished for the past 500 years will be finished. Our technology, our way of life, our entire history. We'll have to start all over again. For God's sakes, don't do it, Snake! The name's Pliskin. This is, this, is, this is the point. This is the point where he decides, I am no longer playing nice with you. I want to be referred to officially as Mr. Pliskin. <laughs> Shuts down the whole planet. Yes. Everything goes black, all right? Except we cut to a shot of Utopia sitting on the chair. This is after the satellites go live, everything goes dark. The only thing in the world that has not yet gone dark is the one light bulb above Utopia's head yeah. as she's sitting on the electric chair. Yeah. He did it. He shut down the earth. And Snake Plissken, as he limps into the night, he picks up a pack of cigarettes. A tattered box of American Spirit In cigarettes. The was middle, it American Spirit? I missed that. American it was American Spirit. spirit. Oh, no, I think it was Native Spirit. No, it was American, it was American? Spirit. Okay. Yeah. But he finds it in the middle of the woods of just another convenient thing. So he finds the cigarette. He breaks the fourth wall and then stares right at the camera and You're says, Welcome to the human race. <laughs> Welcome to the human race. Yeah. I honestly can't think of a worse way to end a movie, for a right? movie to end. I know, yeah. It was so <laughs> horrible. Like, they should have just Chinese cinema rolled credits. As soon as he did the 666, that's all you need to know. Roll these credits. Like, <laughs> you went to black. You assumed that what you had already presented was so aware, yeah. and then you followed it with... Welcome to the human race. If you shut down everything in the world, shouldn't that have started the credits? Push the button that also ends the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Big bang boo, right? Yeah. 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 So clearly a horrible last five seconds of the movie. You know, they just find cigarettes on the ground. <laughs> but if like, if, if that had been so much of the theme, throughout the whole movie, like him just, if they had set it up that he just wanted to smoke a cigarette in peace 
even amidst all this bullshit. Yeah. That would have saved this movie. If they made that more obvious, it would have been a nice thread to end the movie. But it was just like... It's like the tricks rabbit. Yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah. hey, here's a pack of cigarettes. That's cool. Let me smoke one and try to make something profound happen out of my face yeah. hole. And it didn't. Yeah. If the cigarettes were the thing the whole time, that should have been the thing. If they had taken all of this plot, all of this development, and just made it so face value that it was only about him getting a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would have played into his character of not giving a shit except the mission he was on. Yeah, all of this other yeah. shit wouldn't have fucking mattered. Yeah. So the absurdity of it wouldn't have played into it. It would have just care. been like, I just want to fucking smoke a cigarette. But they didn't. They could not establish that early on. Yeah, well, they yeah. made it about the disease. And they made instead. it about the, yeah. the disease. But I think the cigarette would have made even more sense because he seems to care more about smoking than dying. Yeah, and that character doesn't give a fuck. And they didn't yeah. have to put the, the movie on a time limit. No. You know what I mean? But they just kind of did it for fun. Mm -hmm. They could have saved this whole movie simply by driving it only by a cigarette. They could have did that in the beginning, like instead of, hey, you were poisoned with this, you know, weird virus, we're like, look, if you do this, we'll give you a whole carton of cigarettes. Or they, they could have still yeah. done it, and he'd just been like, I don't fucking care, I just want to fucking smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because all he cared about was his cigarette. Like, I just want to smoke, like, I don't give a fuck about all this. They're yeah. going to kill me, I don't care. Yeah. These guys are going to shoot me, I don't care. Like, this girl cares about me, I don't care. That could have been his iconic line, like, I don't care, but I'd do it for a cigarette. I just Ooh. want to smoke a cigarette. Ooh, I like that line. Right. And I feel like that was the pitch for this movie, is that it is what it is. Because I'm not sure Carpenter or anyone knew before they got funded what they were going to do with this movie. It seems very, 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 like, initial idea driven. Like, hey, when they had that battle scene, wouldn't it be cool to have it be basketball? Yeah, let's put a pin in that. And then they never revisited it. They ended up <laughs> making it the basketball. <laughs> so now that we talked about the, the whole movie in, in great detail and summary, and I respect your guys' opinions and everything we said, I think it's now time to talk about what were some of our worst things of the movie. And, and instead of like roundtabling this, let's, let's go around one by one and say, you know, whatever the few things you thought were the worst were. Um, you want to start us off, Jared? Yeah, sure. I'll go with plot and continuity. Seemed like the plot was like the uh, the third priority, you know. First comes set design, then comes, you know, character development, and then, yeah, somewhere we'll squeeze in a plot. That's a, that's a really good point. Like, they had the cool ideas, and mm -hmm. they just wanted to, like, try to thread them together exactly. in any yeah. way they could. I think right? that's why Kurt Russell actually went, you know, you know, sort of saddled up and decided to write it. He's like, dude, I got to do this again. It was so much fun. Like, yeah. Well, I think I clearly it was a lot more... Back. Like, driven by him and, like, the little exactly, thing we yeah. know about this movie. So, so what, what, what did you think was uh, some of the worst stuff about it? All right, so being the nerd that I am and the, the film geek and student that, you know, I, I tend to be, I have some bullet points here. All right, so touching back upon what John Carpenter said about it, you know, some people thinking it was more of a remake than an actual sequel, I agree with. I totally agree with that. All right, yeah. there is a it, lot... And I've said before, it was like they took, they picked, like, the important plot devices out of Escape from New York. And that's what they kept. They separated that's them. It. And then they just threw in crap, like a Mad Libs question, and we're like, exactly. this is going to be our new movie. And and, and I have a, a bit of a problem with that, because I, I don't, you know, like, now I'm not going to say I don't respect or don't appreciate movies that aren't. 100% original because I do have a lot of movies on my top 10, top 25, whatever it yeah, is, yeah. that are not necessarily 100% original, Absolutely. but this movie was particularly egregious in its use of recycling themes and 
plot devices and so on and so forth. Um, it does not do subtlety, right? It's good to give your movie thematic relevance and have it make a statement that carries on the past and, and, and general storyline, but this is like getting smashed in the face with a cast iron frying pan yeah. sometimes. Like, it's just like, oh, here, bam, this is the social issue we're touching about at this point. Yo, if and, you didn't pay attention for 30 seconds, you missed all the plot yeah. and brought to the next thing. And usually yeah. that, that's reserved for movies that are far more complicated to follow the plot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is not one. Like, I would stop to take a note and I'd miss something that wasn't really thoroughly important, but enough so that it would make it hard to follow. Mm -hmm. um, when Steve Buscemi as a supporting actor is your best acting credit, you have a problem. Obviously, there's the really messed up transgender representation. Oh, uh, yeah. And the subtle racism. Like, if you yeah. watch this over and over again, you're going to start noticing... Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> they're really kind of racist about everything. Oh yeah, they just didn't make it overtly like African American racist or like the Times racist. It yeah. was like classic. It was a big Latino population. Yeah, it was like Latino, Latino Asian. There's a lot transgender. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, they did do have a very um, you know I guess uh, open minded representation of their racist. Uh, tropes. <laughs> so that's a good we one. Are, we are equal opportunity yeah, racists. Exactly. Here. Yeah, we're Every progressive racists in yeah. LA. Um, the fucking hang gliders? I mean, come on. Hey, how can we how can we ramp this up? We're gonna go from an absurd life or death individual 10 second shot clock basketball match to yeah. fucking hang gliders into Disneyland. Yeah, it was I that mean, they were gonna take a water slide to the final three. Yeah, exactly. But the water slide just made no sense. <laughs> the whole plot line with Talisma with, uh, you know, that character oh. who existed for no reason and then died. They were like, how do we really get this across? And they were like, well, we need somebody to say it. So That's let's true. put this character in and then we'll kill her. We were used to the female interest from the first one, so maybe they just wanted to throw it in there for the second one, but then abandoned it I real guess. quick and just shot her on the yeah, bridge. It's I almost guess. like she halfway through shooting, she took a higher paying gig and was just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> figure out what to do with my character. Yeah. They're like, oh, can we shoot you real quick? She's like, yeah, sure. Let's just get it over. Yeah, it's like, not my problem. So do what you got to do. Yeah, I forgot I started Young and the Restless tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap this shit up. The... Special effects and CGI. Same for me. It's blatantly obvious with the boat and with Steve Buscemi's specific hang gliding scene. You could see him basically like moved frame to frame. Yep. It's ridiculous. Everything else that I had here, I basically touched upon at some point or another. So I'm good. Well, the only things you didn't, that neither of you uh, touched on that is worse for me is. I think the hospital scene and the basketball scene are garbage. That that hospital scene back in 96 when I saw it for the first time was the first thing that got me off board with the movie. I was like, what is this? What am I seeing? Everyone was too over the top. It was too dumb. And none of the science made sense. What, what, they were medical mistakes. And so now they need more medical procedures to survive. It, it was just ridiculous. Because they kept the hospital scene short, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was decent. If they if, yes. if it went any longer, it would have gotten old really fast. But, you know, because they kept it short, it was Bruce Campbell. And I get how they were trying to incorporate the whole, you know, uh, overextensive plastic surgery yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, the time. You know, yeah, they were trying to write that into the script. So, like, I thought that was, you know... 
it was cool. It, it, it filled like 10 minutes. I got to see Bruce Campbell, so I'm, I'm not complaining too much about that. But the basketball scene, that was pretty stupid from beginning to end, I got to yes. say. Yes, and then I do think that the plastic surgery thing, it fit L.A. Mm-hmm. It fit like exactly. all the stereotypes and everything the movie was going for. It didn't hit. Like the surfing scene was over the top and it kind of hit just because it was fun and you didn't care. Exactly. But like the surgery, it was just too over the top if you ask me. And I had no idea it was Bruce Campbell. I had watched this five times and I found out on the fourth time. I had no fucking idea it was Bruce Campbell. And not even Bruce Campbell can save that scene. And he was pretty good oh, if yeah. you ask me. But the basketball scene, like I've said a bunch of times, it was just dumb. That is not the event any main criminal would ever make you go through. That's not even like a Joker scenario, if you ask me. And one of my biggest points, my perhaps biggest worst, is the convenience of the movie. And I have many examples here. Uh, Buscemi just finds Snake. Snake is done on the uh, bridge where he gets shot by that other Chinese mafia where the girl gets shot and Buscemi just finds him after the bridge. Uh, they're about to give up on Snake and perhaps maybe bomb LA and they see Snake on TV. Boom, ultra convenience. Snake's Jack is just sitting at the helicopter. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane that the one guy in LA that had his jacket would be shot right at the edge of this helicopter. Peter Fonda finds Snake in an impossible situation and saves his life. Snake would have died if Peter Fonda was not in that reservoir at the time. And he just finds cigarettes in the middle of the goddamn woods, y'all. Like, how convenient is all this stuff? And it's something you kind of look over maybe on the first watch, but it's glaring. Like, it's something you might not realize is wrong at the time, but you're uncomfortable. <laughs> when, you, when you first started making those statements, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not sure he's being fair. Like, you know, you got to consider the suspension of disbelief. Uh, and for the first point or two, yeah, that makes sense. But when you move past that, yeah, you cannot suspend disbelief for some of the absurdity that ensues. Yeah. It is pretty fucking ridiculous. Yeah, okay. like, some of it was so ridiculous, I didn't notice it on first watch. Yeah. Like, he would have died if Peter Fonda wasn't there. Yeah. That shit was real. He would have got wiped the fuck out. Yeah. Dude, that dude buggy got demolished It would have been like, background. it would have been Jakarta. You're done. <laughs> So that's, you know, that's what we didn't think worked about the movie. Yeah. Jared, what did you think worked about the movie? What were some of your best bits of it? Uh, it was fun. Uh, set design, you know, character development, all that stuff was fun, you know. Um, One you note know. on set design, every street sign is standing. Now, that might have been them re-putting the signs up. I get that. But right. even the Beverly Hills sign on the side of the road is standing. And, like, they have to meet them on sunset. The, the street sign is a very prominent part of the shot. But yeah, all that stuff was fun. It looked like they had fun making the film. Um, you know, some of the, you know, social commentary was, I guess, appreciated, even though, you know, it's a little cheesy. Uh, but what can you expect from the 90s? Uh, one thing I did think of, because I didn't realize until you pointed out that the cigarettes was American spirit, was maybe I'm giving him too much credit here. Was, was that some sort of uh, symbolism? Like, you know, after he uh, rebels against the president and, and puts an end to the, to the earth, is that him finding his American spirit? You know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like stuff like that, you know, I guess I can appreciate. Um, and if you go into it not thinking that you're going to take it too seriously, uh, it's worth the watch. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the overall thing. You know, if, if, if you went into it, you know, expecting a serious movie in, in, in 96, whenever it came out, then uh, you might be a little disappointed. Um, 
Yeah. But overall, definitely fun. And because I know it was so, like, cheesy and stupid, I knew what to expect. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun watch. Yeah, I feel like no one went into it expecting it to be, like, 100% serious or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Even if you hadn't seen Escape from New York, which you hadn't before we saw this, right. you didn't expect it to be, like, super, super serious. I feel like you could tell that from the poster. I mean, there's a guy with an eye patch, and he's the hero. Enough said. Yeah, and plus you're familiar with the pace and plot and the character from the 80s, so. True. True, very true. So, Matt, what were some of your favorite bits? <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'll build a little bit on what Jared said. Is um, I think one thing you need to acknowledge is, you know, is John Carpenter's tendency towards social commentary and 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 what he's done and said in his past, you know, projects and how that translates over to this and I find that, you know, personally when I'm watching a movie, I I'm a lot more forgiving in the first 20 minutes than I am moving forward as I start to see what this movie actually evolves into, but Great right, point. Yeah. um True. you know, I I I find the same kind of stuff like I'm a huge fan of They Live. Uh, and and, oh, yeah. and the commentary that makes. I don't love John Carpenter and his choices for uh, cinematographers and his use of actual attractive filmmaking techniques for making a movie pretty. But I do I do appreciate him for his use of social commentary on things. As Jared said, he points out a lot of things in the beginning of this movie and 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 throughout that I yeah. that I will recognize as you know America's gravitation towards fundamental Christian authoritarianism. And how that ties into a fascist law enforcement policy and, you know, baseless and absurd conspiracy theories. You think back in 1996, you're like, oh, that's that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And here we are yeah, 25 exactly. years later. And it's like, OK, this is the shit we're dealing with again. Yeah. I made a joke to my wife. I was like, oh, look, they nailed some of the future predictions here. The police are militarized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And police have been for decades, yeah. at least. I mean, so. yes. But yeah, like yeah. John Carpenter, like, I, you got to give credit where credit's due. John Carpenter knows exactly what the actual pulse of American yeah. democracy is. And, like, you know, he touches upon atheists and prostitutes being deemed criminals. Like, they, they lose their citizenship All because right. yeah. they don't believe in God and, and they have careers in the sex industry. And the fact that this is a future or a reality where that is deemed to be like, if you don't believe this one thing, you are a criminal. Mm -hmm. That is it. Like, that is exceptionally prescient right now. Yeah. And yeah, that's sad, he knows but true. That, that it's so easy to dehumanize people just based on their beliefs. Exactly. Yeah, and the, to lead to social commentary, it's not a prison, it's a deportation center in 96, yeah. which is a much bigger issue. Then. And it, it really it's applies right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, God damn you, John Carpenter, I don't think you're the best director, but you had your finger yeah. on the pulse of so, what this actually was. Some of was. these threads are timeless threads yeah, that you, you hit on. You yeah. really picked out, like, what the crux of our constitutional <laughs> dilemma is, and you know it. Um, my next thing... President for life. Yeah, yeah. president for life. And exactly. Look, like, we basically, we barely survived that scenario a few months ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. Puts the culture of Los Angeles and the entertainment movie industry on blast uh, with his use of the Surgeon General and how Beverly Hills handles the whole plastic surgery thing and the, the real, like all-encompassing vanity of what Hollywood and media culture has become and how that applies to 
you know, our, our overall culture as a country mm-hmm. and our obsession mm-hmm. with just being attractive and whatever, like he really touches upon that, um, makes a statement about the criminal justice system and how it's interpreted as well as the illusion of freedom. You know, you have Talisma claiming that LA is the last free place in the country. You know, freedom is relative and this is the thought I've had in acknowledging our current political situation is like, you, you, you know, you talk about freedom, you talk about liberty, you talk about democracy, but it's all subjective. It's all it's all relative to your subjective interpretation of what you perceive that mm-hmm. to be. You know, like and, and and that you have to give credit to John Carpenter. Yeah. He's like touching on what is it really to be free. He established this in Escape from New York mm-hmm. and it carried over here, even though he may not he may or may not, I don't know for sure, he may or may not have had like a major hand in the writing of this movie, but it still is there. And you gotta love the Disneyland line and the parody there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they referenced, you know, the Paris experiment and how they weren't able to get the ability to use Disneyland itself, but they still did it close enough that you were like, ah, they're like, hey, fuck you, Disneyland. Because of how the world sees Mickey, good and evil, and and all that other stuff, it's the only spot that could have had the culmination of the Mm -hmm. movie. And not for nothing, this is going to make me sound dumb, I did not know until rewatching it this year that the end was in Disneyland or supposed to be Disneyland because they never a hundred percent made it look like it made you like actually think it was that it it was weird so uh my best stuff that uh, you guys didn't uh, talk about one I I thought it was amazing that Bruce Campbell was the Surgeon General (laughs) I literally joked to Jared as we were watching it man this guy looks like Bruce Campbell with a ton of plastic surgery and I had no idea it was actually Bruce Campbell with a ton of fake plastic surgery on his face. So we, we just thought that was a yeah. hilarious little quip from watching the movie. Um, I love the brothel scene, as I mentioned before. I just thought all around wise, that was the best scene in the whole film. Because they had a great set, they had great acting. The way they walked through the thing with each level. Or when he was outside, it was a different song. When he was on the first floor, it was a different song. When he was on the second floor, it was a different song. I don't know if you've ever been to a giant club. That's exactly how it fucking is. It just, everything was great about that scene. Um, the wave scene, I don't care how ridiculous it is, I will watch that scene over and over again. It, it was just too much fun. It was too much ridiculous goddamn fun. It, it was just great. And I love Snake's plan at the end of the movie. Through watching this uh, twice for this podcast, realized that it is a flawless plan. He executed it perfectly and... Yeah, as long as you know that the president's daughter is getting captured, it's a flawless plan. Except, when that general gets close to Snake, he should have known it was a hologram. He was too close to that to that man to not know it wasn't a hologram. He's getting no heat off him. Snake said words to him. There was no breath going towards his face. Moot point, though, in the grand scheme of things, if you ask me. And the best of the best was Steve Buscemi's performance, if you ask oh, me. Oh, yeah. Best thing in the whole movie, yeah, hands down. I hope he had the best time filming that movie about trees that he did. It was just, it was just too much fun. It, like he was just aces all around, if you ask me. So now that we've talked about the whole movie, everyone knows who we are. We've all said our pros and cons. Now it's time for closing arguments uh, slash voting, and let's start with our man Jared. Um, I thought it was good. Definitely fun to watch. You had never seen Escape from New York, right? And you still yeah, have Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly, so yeah. That, that's good. Objective opinion. Yeah. I, I would say I don't know if it was worth that whole budget, but, you know, it was definitely fun to watch. So, Jared, is it a block or is it a buster? 
Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose, I would go with Block just because, you know, it's a cult classic for a reason. I think it earns the status of cult classic. Because New York is considered, I think, a cult classic, right? Yeah, but like a cult good classic. This is like a camp classic, probably, if, I mean, if you ask me. Camp counts as cult classic. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying you're I'd wrong. I'd say like 80% of camp, uh, cult classics are kind of campy. Like every horror movie that's considered a cult classic. True. Very true. But you, you'd say it's a Block, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say Thumbs it's worth out. Yeah. All right. Matt, is it a block or a buster? I'm going to state off the bat that I am a fan of movies that would stereotypically be viewed as not good. In fact, my number one favorite movie of all time, I would imagine probably 85% of people have A, never heard of, and B, would not acknowledge as good. But regardless, we'll touch on that at another point. I'm going to go ahead and put this one in the buster column. It's just too far over the top for me. You know, I like the way that they went. We can but, tell from your pros and cons. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but... I feel like there was just too many glaring, both technical and, you know, narrative-driven issues that I, I couldn't look past. All right. And there's no problem with that. But there's one problem. You can't leave the audience hanging. What's the favorite movie? My favorite movie? Yeah, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? I'm going to leave you hanging because we'll do that as an episode of <gasps> this show oh, at some point in the future. Damn. Tune in. So, I've had many debates about this movie. This is exactly why I wanted to start with this movie. And I have gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, whether I would suggest this or not to people. But I just recently saw a new movie starring The Rock called Hobbs and Shaw. Has anyone seen Hobbs and Shaw? Not yet. No. The whole time I'm watching this movie with my wife, I am pointing out every glaring, obvious hole over and over again to her. I'm like, oh my God, they can't do this. This makes no sense. And then I would immediately follow it up with, but I could care less. I'm enjoying myself right now. And that's what I realized to me, that's gotta be how I vote on this podcast, is whether I enjoyed myself or not. And I have watched this at least four or five times now. And I gotta tell you, I've enjoyed myself. And even though, yeah, it's no Roma, it's no, you know, Shank, it ain't gonna win any awards. But I think Carpenter knew that. And that is why I have to say it's a block. Because I think this was like pretty on purpose. Like it's not playing at terror level on purpose, but a lot of it was on purpose. So because of that, and because of the stuff I really enjoyed about it, I can look past the Surgeon General and I can look past that basketball scene because that is some garbage. And in fact, if there's a version of this movie out there, please fans, if you know about this, a version of the movie where it's just Bruce Campbell's face from the Surgeon General scene and no basketball scene, I am 100% in for that movie. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go block because I've enjoyed myself with this one. And even though it's pretty garbage, just like Hobbs and Shaw, I could care less. I am sitting back and enjoying it. The only last negative I have to say they had a great ending to it, but at some point they were like, let's start rap. Yeah. Dave Chappelle came out with the wrapping up button and they were like, let's wrap this was, shit up. It was halfway through the script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Halfway through writing the script is when they gave up. So, according to Block or Buster, we deem this movie a block, two to one. But the vote is really up to you guys. So if you take to Twitter, if you take to Facebook, if you go to any of the favorite social media devices you like, you will find us there under Blocker Buster. And then 
it'll really be up to you guys. So you will either decide that Matt was correct today or that me and Jared were correct today. And we will take your opinion because we're on the fence about this, guys. It's really up to you. If you guys deem that Matt was right, we'll all agree with that. And if you agree that me and Jared were right, that this was a great movie... I will not agree with that. Cinema classic, even Matt will have to agree with that. I will not. And so, at the beginning of the next episode, we will find out what you guys have decided, and we will go jump right into the next one that you guys can tell us whether we're right or wrong about. So, the store's wrapping up here at Blocker Buster. Everything is midnight. If your videos aren't in the slot by now, you're fucking shit out of luck. You're paying that $3 late fee. And next we're going to tackle a Nick Cage movie. Because this man is an Academy Award, but uh, he was also in Face Off. We're going to tackle Snake Eyes with good old Nick Cage and Lieutenant Dan. Who's going to come out on top in this heist slash boxing movie? Who knows? We'll find out whether it's a good movie or not. And I've just, I've just had so much fun today. This has been a Absolutely. dream of mine yeah. to do something involving movies in any capacity, making movies, talking about movies, reviewing movies, and to do it with you guys, it's amazing and it's a blessing. It's a so thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Um, good times. This is Jared. Just happy to be here. Signing out. And this is Matt. Over here on Blocker Buster, make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcasting apps and catch us on the Three Crones Podcasting Network. We look forward to catching you guys as we move on and we will catch you on the flip side. So this has been Chris. This is a dream of mine, an absolute dream. Thank you everyone who's here, listened, contributed in any sort of way. You can find me on, on social media platforms, a la Facebook, Twitter, under Block or Buster. And just like Snake Pliskin said, Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the human, human race. race.